Amen. Thank God for the opportunity to declare who he is and who we are in him. This week uh, in our church environment, it's been a, a busy week. Uh, almost every week is busy, but some weeks are busier than others. And uh, we've, you know, wrapping up the student center, uh, remodeling. We're uh, seeing the connecting point construction going on. We're working on our 2020 budget. We're working on our nominations, seeking deacon nominations and doing all the things that the fall semester brings about and keep us busy. Uh, and then in the middle of that, we came to the office one day this week and we were told that our network server had crashed. And our network server, we depend on it for multiple functions of the work that our staff does here on our campus. And, and suddenly we were not able to do those functions and we're trying to figure out what we need to do. And uh, the technician tells us, well, you know, this server has two power sources and it has a battery backup and all of them are blown. There's no power going through the server. And he says, and we can't, we don't have the parts here in McAllen. We have to order them. And so it'll be a couple of days before you're back up. And so we're looking at each other, wondering what we're going to do. And I realized that Sometimes you don't realize how much power you have until you lose it, right? And that's what we're going to talk about today. It's about power that we have, but it's not powered by Intel or by Apple or Google. It's power in Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. We have been going through uh, the book of Ephesians uh, this month, and we've looked at the first chapter, how we're chosen in him. We looked at uh, being eager for him in that same chapter. Then we moved on to chapter two. We talked about being raised by him. Last Sunday, we finished chapter two and talked about what it means to be one in him. And then today we go into chapter three and we talk about powered by him, being powered by Christ. And so I'd like for you to go with me to Ephesians chapter three. Uh, as we begin reading today, today we will look at the entire uh, chapter, chapter three. I hope you brought a snack. We're going to be here for a while. Uh, so uh, go with me to Mark, uh, not Mark, Ephesians chapter three, uh, verse one, beginning with verse one, we'll read the first portion of the chapter and it reads like this. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I've already written briefly, in reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as he has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. We're thankful for his word. And I want to point out three things about power that the passage deals with. And the first one is that we have the power to receive the mystery of the gospel. 
God has given us the power to know and to understand what others cannot. You see, God reveals himself to us, and then the Holy Spirit gives us the, the understanding, the ability to be able to know and understand what he has revealed to us. You notice that in our passage, Paul uses the word mystery three times. I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word mystery, but in, in the sense that the passage uses this here is, is something that is hidden. It, you can think of it as something that's behind the curtain. Before the curtain is open, there's something behind it that cannot be seen until someone opens the curtain. It's a, a mystery, something hidden from people's understanding. We know that God's ways are, are higher than our ways. We know that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we could never understand him on our own, left to our own devices. We could never comprehend God's ways or who he is. God is a mystery. He's a mystery to those who do not know him. God is even a mystery to those of us who do know him because even though we know him, there's so much more about him that we do not know or understand. Even God's chosen people, Israel, didn't understand many things about God. God gave them the law, the commandments to follow, and they did their best to try and follow them. He gave them a sacrificial system uh, that they would try to follow also. But they did not understand, most of the time, they did not understand that that sacrificial system was pointing to a later time to a more perfect sacrifice. <clears throat> they didn't understand that the law was pointing to a, a more perfect provision in the person of Jesus Christ. Neither did they understand that God had chosen them as a people so that through them all the nations of the earth would be blessed. They had no idea that what they would inherit in God because of God's grace and promise would be shared with those who were not Jews. They did not understand that. Forgive me, but we're gonna get, we're gonna get through this. Um, they got me good tea over there across the parking lot. You know, uh, my wife and I have a cat. His name is Polo, and uh, I've told you about him before. Um, uh, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, he was sick, and the vet prescribed some pills. Now, I don't know, you probably know the difference between dogs and cats, right? A dog, you can hide a, a pill in his treat, and he will inhale it, right? You can mix almost anything into a dog that comes close to tasting good, and they will eat it all. But a cat is different. You try to hide his medicine in a treat, he'll eat the treat and leave the medicine. They're tricky like that. They just can't, you can't trick them. <clears throat> so my wife went out of town for a week and she left me in charge of Polo and I had to pill him. That's what it's called, I had to pill him. Once in the morning, once at night. I don't know if you've ever done that, but what you have to do is while you're petting the cat and he's comfortable and purring, then you have to open his mouth push the pill to the back of his throat and then get your finger out before he bites you and make sure that he swallows. I did that this week every day, twice a day. That's how much I love my wife. And after I do it 
the cat looks at me like, why did you just do that? And, and in fact, during the day, he's looking at me wondering when I'm petting him, am I just petting him or am I going to peel him, right? And I don't think that he'll ever understand that he's getting better. He is getting better because I've been pushing medicine down his throat. He'll never make that connection. You know, Jesus' disciples didn't understand everything that Jesus taught them until after the resurrection. The things that we read about in the Gospels that make sense to us, that make sense to the disciples, didn't make sense to them till after Jesus died and rose and he ascended to heaven, he went up to heaven, and then he sent the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down and it was like a light bulb went, went on in their heads. And they go, oh, we get it now. It makes sense. Remember when Jesus said such and such? That's what it meant. Remember when Jesus did such? That's why he said it. It all came together. They started connecting the dots. And they did that because the Holy Spirit allowed them to do it. They had heard it before, but they had not understood it. I remember growing up, I, I grew up like, very much like these children that received their first grade Bible. I grew up in church. Since I was a little baby, I'm a PK, my, my, my dad was a pastor, and so I heard about God. I could memorize and recite Bible verses at three or four years old, and I knew the Bible stories, I knew the songs, I, I knew all of that. But I remember when I was 15 years old, I was having a crisis of faith, and, 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 I, and I was trying to really figure out whether I owned the faith that my parents had taught me or if it was just their faith, their tradition. And it was a big crisis for me. I, I had gone through some heartache and, and I had experienced some brokenness. And, and as a 15 year old, I remember there were tears in my eye, eyes as I prayed a prayer to say, God, I just want to surrender completely to you. I want Christ to be my Lord. I wanna let go of every dream, every plan, every desire that I have. I want you to be my Lord. I don't want you to be my parents, God. I want you to be my God. And I remember uh, going to sleep, and the next day, I opened my Bible. It wasn't the first time I opened the Bible. I grew up in church. But I opened my Bible with, with a desire to hear from God, and I read, and all of a sudden, it made sense in a way that it hadn't made sense before. Not that I didn't know the stories, not that I had never read that before, but, but it communicated to the inmost part of my being. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit of God had come to speak into my life. Why is it that some people today don't get it? They don't get it when we talk about Jesus and God, and we get it. We say, why don't they get it? Why is it clear to us and not clear to them? Well, I'll tell you what the answer is. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says this, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. Spiritual things, the things of God, the things about Jesus can only be discerned when the spirit opens up our spiritual eyes. Those of us who received the gospel did so because the Spirit allowed us, gave us the power to receive it. We, we hear often in educational circles that knowledge is power and it's true. 
And there is no greater knowledge and no greater power than to understand the good news of Jesus Christ. What was a mystery to others is revelation to us. What was a mystery to the people of the Old Testament is revelation to us. What, what some people consider the darkness of ignorance, the Spirit of God has ignited in us the knowledge in our minds of God. Listen, if you don't understand the gospel, ask God to give you the power of his spirit to understand it. If you open up the Bible and you try to read it and you say, I don't understand what I'm reading, it's okay to ask for help, but, but the most important thing you ought to do is to say, God, I need your spirit to help me understand it. That's not just for, for non-believers, that's not just for new believers, that's for every believer. When I open up my Bible in the morning, the first thing I say to God is, God, allow your spirit to speak to me. I don't want to read the Bible to find interesting stories. I don't want to read the Bible to find facts. I don't want to read the Bible just to, to have more head knowledge. God, I want your spirit to speak to me. Ask the spirit of God to help you understand. Don't be afraid to do so. God wants to make himself known. God wants to show himself, reveal himself. Now, if you've already received the gospel, then you can thank God that he has made it known to you. It's a privilege. God's Spirit not only made the gospel understandable to you, but you know what else? He's, he's still around. He didn't leave you. He didn't say, okay, he got the gospel, I'll see you later. But the, the Spirit of God is within you still, giving you the power to continue to know and to understand what God is about, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, if you are a believer in Jesus, you have got the Spirit of God. And if you have the Spirit of God, you have the power to know and to understand. Secondly, as we look at the scriptures here, we have the power to experience the miracle of the gospel fully. God has given us the power to fully experience the miracle of the gospel. See, the gospel is mystery to some, revelation to others, but it's also miracle. God gives us the power to understand this mystery, and he gives us the power to experience the miracle of the gospel. See, God doesn't just want you to know the gospel. He wants you to experience the gospel. He wants you to intimately be a part of that when Paul considered this grace of God that was made known to him, he falls to his knees and he prays for the Ephesians. He prays for, for those in Asia Minor that they would have that full experience. Go with me to verse 14 of Ephesians 3. It says, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Excuse me. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Sorry. I have a cough drop and I have tea and I just need my voice to work. 
verse 18 says, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is a prayer for power in the inner being. It's a prayer for capacity. It's not a prayer for non-Christians to know Christ. It is a prayer for Christians who already know Christ to know him, to experience him more fully. You see, there's much more to salvation than just receiving forgiveness. There's much more to salvation than just going to heaven when you die. That's huge. It's really important, but there's more to it. My wife and I were having dinner with a couple of friends of ours the other day, and we were talking about overseas trips. <clears throat> and we're talking about those trips that last maybe 12 hours and, and, uh, and how difficult it is to fly coach when, when, when you go in those trips. I don't know why airlines do this, but if you've ever been overseas, when you board the plane, <clears throat> they take you through first class. That's pretty mean. Because they have beds and big screens and drinks in real glasses and, <clears throat> you know, and then you, you go through a business class and, and you go, well, you know, that, that's not as nice as first class, but it's pretty nice still. And then you get to coach and, and you go all the way to the back in the middle and, and that's, that's what you could afford, right? So that's where you fly. I'm 6'1", so sometimes I feel cramped when I'm there traveling eight, 10 hours in one flight. So I get up and I walk around and I, and I stretch and, and uh, I try to sneak into first class, but they won't let me, you know. But, uh, you know, the, the, the thing about it is it doesn't matter whether you fly first class or business class or coach, everyone gets to the same destination, right? When you, when you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you get on board to, to that trip to heaven. But, and everybody that is in Christ will get to be with him in eternity. If you're in Christ, you'll get to be with him. See, the difference is that some between now and then, some are flying cargo. <laughs> some just barely made it in. Some are flying coach. Some have a greater capacity and they're able to fly business class. Some maybe fly first class. And that's what Paul is praying for the Ephesians and for all of us to do is, I want you to fly first class on the way to heaven. It's not just about getting there. It's about enjoying the experience. It's about fully being a part of what God has done for you in Christ. That's what verse 19 says. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, it's beyond head knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Is that your experience? Are you experiencing the power of God in your life every day? in an ever-increasing way. (coughs) 
or have you settled? Have you settled for just getting by? I like what John Piper said. He said, the gospel is not a way to get people to heaven. It is a way to get people to God. It's, it's a way of overcoming every obstacle to everlasting joy in God. The scripture tells us here that for us to experience the fullness of Christ's love, we need the power of the Spirit. Listen to the word power in this prayer. Verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. And I pray that you, verse 18, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp it's a power that includes capacity, the capacity to grasp, to experience all of God's love. And in order to experience God's fullness, the fullness of the measure of God, we need to have the capacity to receive it. You know, I, I remember when I was in seminary, which is a long time ago, my computer was an Apple IIe. I was using Apple before Apple was cool. And, and I, I remember working on my papers, and some of you may not know about this, but they, they, there was this thing called floppy disk. And you would have to stick the disk in the computer and it would load the program, it would load your application, and then you had to take it out and you had to stick a storage disk to, to save your paper. And some of my papers were, you know, in seminary, they were very long papers. Sometimes it took several disks. It like saved for a few seconds and then you, put this number two in, and then you put this number two, and then this number three. I think I had less memory in my Apple IIe than I do in my iPhone today. And then, you know, we used to talk about kilobytes, and then somebody, somebody started talking about megabytes, and we said, wow, megabytes. And, and there was a smaller disk that people had and, and stored more information. And then somebody talked about gigabytes. I remember when gigabytes, and I said, man, that's... Man, that's a lot of storage, gigabytes. That's pretty cool. People have flash drives that, that store more than 100 of my floppy disks, you know? And then today people talk about terabytes and uh, how much terabytes they have and, and, and unlimited uh, storage uh, in the cloud. Well, you see, here's the thing. God wants you to expand your spiritual hard drive in such a way that you can have the capacity to experience the fullness of Christ's love. He wants to expand your capacity to receive. He doesn't want you to be a floppy drive. He doesn't want you to, to store kilobytes or megabytes of spiritual data. He wants to give you terabytes and an infinite amount of love for you to experience. And the good news about that is that that power, that capacity, it's already in you. The Spirit of God is in you. When you trust the Christ, the Spirit came to live in you. And the key to unleashing that power is faith. By faith, you come into a relationship with Christ, and it is by faith that you grow in that relationship. Look at verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Faith gets you in, and faith keeps you growing in the experience of God's love. I like the way that Tim Keller put it. He said, the gospel is not just the ABCs, but the A to Z of the Christian life. It is inaccurate to think the gospel is what saves non-Christians 
And then Christians mature by trying hard to live according to biblical principles. It is more accurate to say that we are saved by believing the gospel and then we are transformed in every part of our minds, hearts, and lives by believing the gospel more and more deeply as life goes on. That's right on point. That's exactly how it works. That's exactly what the scripture says here. If you have trusted Christ, you have the power within you to experience God's love. If you have trusted Christ, you have the power within you to overcome temptation. If you've trusted Christ, you have the power within you to, to break away with toxic habits in your life. The power is in you. If you've trusted Christ, you have the power within you to heal from, from broken wounds, from, from past hurts. If you've trusted Christ, the power is in you. And the only way that it can be activated is by faith as you trust him, as you surrender to him with boldness, as you give yourself to him with abandonment, that power gets unleashed. And then thirdly, we see here that the power, we have the power to share the message of the gospel fully. If we've experienced the power of God in our lives, then we're gonna to wanna to share that power. If we believe that there's power in the gospel, then we're gonna to want to make that power known to others who need it. Paul considered himself the least likely person to proclaim the gospel to the nations. And yet, he did so confidently because God gave him the power to do so. In his grace, God not only saved Paul, but he empowered him to be a missionary to the Gentiles. Now, this is really crazy if you know anything about Paul, because Paul was a zealous Jew. I, I believe he was so zealous of Judaism that he might have even been racist. And God called him to be the apostle to the racists, to the nations. Look at how he talks about it in verse 7 of, uh, of Ephesians 3. <clears throat> it says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. It's incredible that Paul is encouraging the Ephesians sitting in a prison cell. Remember that? That's how our chapter started. He says, I'm a prisoner, but I want you to know there is so much power at work in my life and there is so much power at work in your life. Don't feel sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for yourselves. We have a good thing. Have you ever been encouraged by, by people who are really going through a hard time? Have you ever been to the hospital with somebody that is really, really sick and you're there to encourage them and instead they encourage you? That's what Paul's doing. He, he's in prison and he's saying, look, I have been given the power to share this message. I became a servant of the gospel by the grace given me to the working of his power. See, because God can take 
the persecutor of the church, which Paul was, and he can make him the proclaimer of the gospel. He, he can take a, a legalistic religious zealot like Paul and make him the minister of grace to the nations. He can take me, a kid who got in trouble at school all the time and spent my share of time in the principal's office and who had a crisis of identity as a teenager and experienced culture shock when I came to the United States and trying to learn English. He can take this boy and he can use him to proclaim the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ because it is by grace that he gives us the power to do so. He can take you and me to share the wonderful message of Jesus Christ. We don't have to rely on our own strength. We don't have to rely on our own ability. God planned to give his power to you to proclaim the gospel before you even trusted him. You might have caught that in verse 9. And 10, I'll read it again, it says, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Verse 10, listen. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Wow. What prophets and priests in the Old Testament didn't know, God has given you and me the privilege of announcing. What, what the, the people of Israel did not understand, he has entrusted the church to announce. Who's the church? You and me. You and me. Every believer is part of the church. It's not just pastors and preachers that can share the gospel. It's not just prophets and missionaries that can share the gospel. It's not just theologians and scholars. It's every believer can share the story of a God who came from heaven to where we were to rescue us from our sin and to give us abundant life. Did you notice how the privilege of announcing, the church has the privilege of announcing what rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms did not know? Did you, did you pick up on that? Rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. What's that? That's like the angelic hierarchy. Listen, not even the angels knew and understood the gospel. They didn't even know this mystery. And God says, not even the angels get to announce it. The only ones that have the privilege to fully understand it and experience it and announce it is the church. You and me. Last week, one of our huddles that meets at a Starbucks <clears throat> met, and, and they, uh, as they finish, they, they usually take a selfie. And uh, as they took a selfie, there was some young people on the table next to them. And, uh, and, and that one of the young men said, can I take your picture? And they said, no, that's fine. We'd, we'd want to do a selfie. And he said, well, what are y'all doing here? And, and the huddle said, well, we're talking about Jesus. And the young man said, well, I'm looking for a religion. And I said, well, we'd love to tell you about Jesus. So they made an appointment when he would have the time to really listen. And he was really interested. In fact, he kept texting them, making sure that, that they were going to meet him. And, and then this Friday night, they met with him. And they drew the three circles that we learned about here. And they explained the gospel to him. 
and he prayed to trust Jesus as his Savior and Lord. That's the power of sharing the gospel. Every time we share the message, we should expect something to happen. We should expect, not everybody that hears the gospel is gonna say yes, but the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. And so when we share it, we, we should expect something to happen. When we gather as the people of God here, in his name, we should expect supernatural things to happen. You know, we, we prayed earlier today, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. The Holy Spirit has a lot of power to heal, to redeem, to restore, to reconcile, to convict, to change, to transform. When we invite the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, into our gathering, something will happen. I believe that sometimes we don't see more things happening because we stop expecting it. I think sometimes we're just doing spiritual as usual or business as usual. Instead of expecting God to always do something special, we have power in the name of Jesus for lives to be changed and transformed, for marriages to be reconciled, for people to be healed from their hearts, for people to give up uh, those, those habits that are, that are so ingrained in our lives and break cycles of addiction. The Holy Spirit has the power to do that. And we should believe it when we come together as a people, when you get together as a Bible fellowship. We have the power to understand the mystery of the gospel. We have the power to experience the miracle of the gospel and we have the power to share the message of the gospel. And I wanna invite you to rely on that power to transform you, to strengthen you, to use you. When you feel that you cannot make it on your own, know that there's a spirit within you that can pull you through that. It's the most difficult thing in your life. When, when you feel like you're facing the impossible and the burden is too big to bear, remember that the one that lives in you knows no impossible. There is nothing impossible for God. It doesn't mean that he'll always give us what we want when we want it, but it means that we can rely on his power and his wisdom that lives in us. As you think about responding to God's word today, I, I wanna offer three suggestions to you. The first one is to receive God's spirit by faith. If you've not trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you can trust him. And when you do, he'll give you his spirit. Receive that spirit. That's the power that can help you to be all that God has called you to be. If you're already a believer, then, then embrace the spirit within you. Rely on God's spirit to transform you. And then relay that message of the gospel in the power of the spirit. Rely, receive, rely, and relay that power that is available to you. Would you stand with me with your head bowed, your eyes closed as you think about what God has said to you today? How is that you need to respond to the message of the power of Christ available to us? <clears throat> Maybe 
what you really need to do today is to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. You can pray right where you are. Open your heart with faith to him. Receive forgiveness and eternal life and the spirit of God in your life. You can do that right now where you are. Maybe your prayer, your commitment today needs to be to rely more on his power so you can experience him fully. To trust him daily so that you can grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Maybe that's your prayer. Maybe God is putting the name of a person in your mind right now person that you need to share the gospel with and and sometimes you're, you're not sure whether you can do it whether you're qualified to do it and today you need to remember that he who calls you qualifies you you need to make that commitment to share with that person maybe you want to follow the Lord in believers baptism Or join this church or join a Bible fellowship. Whatever God is leading you to do, I invite you to do it now. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the power we have in Christ. Help us to take hold of it by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you to respond. There are going to be pastors and deacons up here. If you have a prayer need, spiritual or physical or financial come and they'll pray with you if you have a commitment you want to make or a question you have you come I'm going to ask pastors and deacons to be up here and receive those who want to come for prayer or commitment